Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of The World Designer. I'm here today with Gloria B. Berger, a designer and consultant who takes a holistic and systematic view of innovation and transformation. Very happy to have you here today, Gloria. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to take part today. Yeah, I'm super excited that you are here. So, Gloria, please tell me, what were the most important points in your career? So, how did you become a designer? Why did you become a designer? Ah, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I think it started pretty early when I was a teenager that I knew that I want to do something creative. And um, I had this idea of really impacting people's lives and make it better. And it came from a very simple thing. I was um, reading magazines and whenever I read something that I found really interesting and that really helped me learn something new, I thought, oh, it's so incredible that there are people who are delivering those stories. And it's not only, I mean, of course, it's the content, um, but it's also the way how the content um, is done. So I think that was um, the first time when I realized I want to do something like that. I want to support good stories. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you learn design? Um, yeah, and then I thought, um, what can I do um, creatively? And to be honest, I first thought that I'm becoming a photographer. So um, after school, I started doing internships and uh, working for photographers. I even moved to Munich all by myself, not knowing a single person there um, and joining a photographer and work for him. And then I wanted to start photography and that was not that easy. Um, the school that I wanted to go to just didn't take my application. And then I figured that there is um, something that you can study called um, communication design and that was in a different city and they had a photography course. So I went there, I applied, they took me <laughs> for some reason. And uh, it took me two semesters until I stopped doing photography and doing all the other things that um, they um, yeah, were offering to study and to learn. Yeah. And does uh, photogra photography somehow translate into your design work? Because I know a designer that yeah, was also a photographer. And he told me about lighting, so how it affects your design in general. Mm -hmm. I think that every, I see photography a bit more as a tool nowadays, as I see all the other skills that you have and all the other directions you can go into in, in design as well as tools. And I see myself as someone who is um, using those tools to deliver stories. So I think that every discipline I've ever been in is influencing what I'm doing today. So there's nothing, there's never something lost in your life that you do. There will always be um, some, at some point you will always figure out that it, it helped you at some point. And yes, it still influences me when I, whenever I work with photography as well. Um, and whenever I work with pictures and um, whenever I try to deliver stories that I also think about, like, how do you frame it, for example? Yeah. yeah. That's the nice part that yeah, all the skills that we learned at some point can yeah, later be applied in our work this way or another. And Gloria, what's your favorite sector to work with? Um, I have to be honest, I've always worked um, in all different kinds of sectors. I've always find it very inspiring and I'm too curious to um, say no I'm not doing this or that 
Um, but I, in the last years, focused on organizational design and organizational design is something that you can apply to all industries and to all sectors, basically, because um, it's all about organizations. There are always organizations involved um, in what, wherever you go to. And um, yeah, so I'm pretty open to all sectors. And I'm more interested in, uh, in the organizations within the sectors, I would say. So would you say that B2B or B2C is more interesting? I think think it integrated. I think that's that should be the answer because um both is is important. Uh, the one thing cannot live without the other. Yeah, I think for coming from a holistic approach, you would yeah. never choose one thing. <laughs> that's true. And how does service design and organizational design influence one another? Um, so for me, it was actually becoming an org organizational designer is a very new discipline, I would still say. So people who are organizational designers, they have completely different definitions of what it can mean because we're still, even service design is not that old, but organizational design is even younger and it's still, we're still trying to figure out what it exactly um, means. But um, for me, it was a couple of years ago, I uh, worked in an innovation studio here in Berlin um uh, that had a very user centric um focus and uh, a prototyping approach as well and we were working on products and services and ecosystems um for organizations that are um in our opinion defining the way how they are perceived in society and perceived um towards their customers and their users and when we did that um We, as innovation designers, um, we are pretty fast. We are looking um, at complex problems from different directions and having different perspectives, um, trying to bring in a lot of perspectives as well. And um, our clients were asking us, hey, how do you do that? How can you be so fast? How can you um, be so innovative? And what can we learn from you for our organization to become faster and become more agile? And um, I started um helping them i found it really exciting to share my knowledge and um to hand it over to them i've always done that even when i used to be a graphic designer years ago what i'm not doing anymore at all um i've always loved it to show my clients and um, how i approach things and um how i think and what the process is and i try to involve them and with innovation design that was even more important because if you um produce or if you design a product or a service and um, you cannot just like throw it over the fence to the client and they need to breathe it themselves they need to um really understand what it means then they need to actually design it themselves and i see my myself nowadays more as someone who is facilitating the process and helping others to become creative and to unleash their own potentials and um yeah that was when we started um sharing Um, our knowledge when we started um, teaching and inspiring and coming up with all different kind of formats to help our clients um, become more agile and innovative. And we um, started um, offering th this particular thing to organizations. And um, for me, it was always service design is something for an organization um, that is 
like going to the outside of your organization. This is what the way how you are perceived. This is what you show about yourself towards your users, towards your partners, um, uh, into the ecosystem, towards the society. Um, but it interferes and it's very interconnected with the way how you um, organize yourself as an organization, the way how you communicate, the way how you make decisions, the way how you work together. So for me, it was, it makes so much sense to bring those two disciplines together and think them um, integrated um, because the way how you work influences your product and service ecosystem that you show to the outside and the way um, how your product ecosystem looks like influences the way how you need to work inside your company. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a very interesting yeah, concept that yeah, I didn't know about until I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, how can someone learn organizational design? So is it mostly about the experience that you get in yeah, different asp yeah, different industries, different sectors, different companies? Or yeah, can someone from the get-go kind of get into it? Mm. I mean, every one of us is somehow part of organizations. So that's already something very good because we know organizations we are working most of the time with them or inside of them and um, for me um, I have I personally have the feeling I apply my service design skills to organizations so whenever I go into the innovation design part um, I do I have a process and um, first of all I would always try to define the problem and I'm defining the problem that we're facing by talking to the people that um, have something to do with the problem. So I look at who are the stakeholders um, that are connected to what we want to work on. It's the users, that's clear, the customers, um, It's it can be partners, um, it can be governments, there's so many people you can talk to to get different perspectives. And then we start, um, yeah, raising questions that could be interesting to answer around the problem. And then we come up with ideas and then we prototype them and test them and iterate them. And then we go into this constant or continuous learning process um, when we do products and services. And I basically do the same thing with organizations as well. So I talk to them, I ask them um, why they come to me, what they what they want to solve or what kind of need they have. And then I try to get as many perspectives um, on the problem as we can together. And sometimes that already helps a lot um, to figure out in which direction a project needs to go. And yeah, and then we try out things because there is not this one solution. It's a complex problem space we're working in. So we need to try out things and then we um, we bring them alive and see what is happening. How is the organization changing? Um, what is the feedback from the organization? Does it help um, or does it make things worse? Um, do we need to iterate it? Maybe we find out that we haven't asked a person yet, that a stakeholder yet that would be important. So I feel like I'm basically using the same tools and the same methods and the same frameworks that I use for service design and user research. Awesome. And like, should organizational design be applied, let's say, every year? Or is there no time frame for it? Because yeah, okay. the markets change, organizations change. And I can imagine that yeah, organizations should benefit from that, yeah, from design. 
Mm. I mean, a lot of organizations already have organizational um, development departments that help the organization to constantly evolve and um, change and um, transform. And yes, we live in a world where and in a uh, time where everything is changing and one thing is for sure, it's never going to end. It's not like that we are like in this in this time where we're like, okay, we just have to do two more years and then we're done. And then we are finally at the goal where we want it to be. Um, no, I think what we can learn from the last um, sen uh, from the last uh, decade is that things are changing faster and faster and with technology evolving and with societies um, evolving, um, we, we will always need to be able to adapt to new situations and therefore organizational design thing I think is something that should be integrated and should be a topic um, for an organization all the time um, of course you need to find a good balance so it doesn't help you as an organization if you only look into the inside you also need to deliver um, to the outside as well because you need to exist and one of the um, um, ways how to exist is to be financially healthy as well and therefore you need to make different kind of decisions um, and it's it's complex organization leading organizations and um, evolving them is very complex so I think it's something integrated um, that you should have and and that you should just be aware that it will never be finished so you can continuously or should continuously evolve it in whatever you do. Yeah. And would you say that good organizational design is recognizable? Um, I would say in that special case, I would say yes, because it's um, about also reflection. And I think reflection should be recognizable. Um, you should be more aware of how you do things and you should be more aware of what kind of effects and impacts you do so i think in that case um i would say definitely yes it should be recognizable because we are especially in this time still in a learning process and i think we need it to be recognizable at that moment in other design disciplines if you would have asked me i would have said yeah i was gonna ask you about this <laughs> Yeah, I would say it's not. It should not always be recognizable with things that we are used to already. At least, I mean, for example, if you if you read a book and um, and you open the pages and you always constantly have to think about typography while you're used, while you're reading it, and typography is basically um, design. Then um, a, a user um, has to concentrate on something that shouldn't matter so much to them. So in that case, design should not be recognizable or the best design is the design that you do not recognize because um, it helps you as a user or as um, a, a person um, reading in that case to concentrate on what really matters. And that's in that case, the content and the things that you're learning and that you should get inspired with. Um, but I think when when we tackle um, new problems, probably it's helpful um, that it's uh, recognizable. Also, when we like look at all the sustainability um, topics that we have around and that we are talking about right now, I think it makes sense if design becomes recognizable because we need to become more aware of how we create things and um, what we think about and um, yeah. So 
Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to compare those two words, kinda, of organizational design and design in general, and that yeah, recognizability. And yeah, we got that segment done, but let's segue now into the other one. So, Gloria, if you would have a billion dollars to work on any problem in the world, what problem would you work on? Um, the one thing that is really in my head all the time and where I ask myself a lot of questions about how we can take this problem is um, uh, um, is how we want to evolve as a society when you look um, at how, what big gaps come up between um, different parts of the society. I mean, one example is for me, I'm living in a big city. I'm living in Berlin. It's the capital city of Germany. And um, there is a huge um, gap between um, opinions and a huge gap in how to, um, what, what kind of democracy we want to have and how we want to tackle our problems like the COVID crisis, for example, as well, between people in the city and between people on the countryside. Or when you look at mobility, for example, that's a really good example. We in cities say, we don't need cars, so let's get rid of it, them. And uh, people on the countryside get really scared. And since we are in the cities, I always have the feeling we feel like we have more of a say. It's a bit, we're tending to be a bit more arrogant. We feel like we know it better. And then we see what's happening somewhere else or how other people, um, um, what kind of opinions they have. Um, and, and we feel like, yeah, they're wrong. Um, they should just listen to us and and I'm really curious about how we can how we can as citizens better listen to each other and understanding each other better again to close these huge gaps that are coming up in 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 society yeah. That's so if, if we a... can solve that <laughs> i'm 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 in let me know <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna join any project. <laughs> Yeah, like that's definitely a billion dollar project or even more because, yes. yeah, the gaps they're getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, during the pandemic, the top one percent made more than the rest. Yeah, everything is widening, and yeah, it just said, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, and it's it's horrifying, and we all are scared. and. I went to so many meetups and I'm going to so many um, um, things where people exchange with each other. And even inside of my own bubble, I have the feeling we are not really listening to each other anymore. Everyone wants to talk and everyone wants to say their, or tell their opinions and wants to convince other people um, of them being right. Um, but we forget to really listen to the other people in the room. Even within my own bubble, I see that um, that we sometimes just like everyone is talking, but no no one is talking with each other. Yeah, like everyone's talking about themselves and their problems, and not looking on the other human that yeah is also struggling with something. Yeah, and I mean, if we would look at the world and at people um, in in a way where we say everyone is basically a good person so there's no one who wants to do harm just for fun everyone wants to do good and everyone wants to live a fulfilled and purposeful life and um, we can just we could just think about maybe 
there is a reason why they have different opinions than as we do. Maybe there is another reason than just being a bad person or a stupid person or um, I don't know what kind of explanations we tell ourselves why yeah, like we are so different. Everybody has different experiences and the experiences that we had, they shape us. Like yes. Someone could have a great childhood, but the other person yeah, could have had a terrible childhood where yeah, the family was poor, they didn't get everything they needed. Yeah, so it impacts our whole life. And people sometimes struggle with problems yeah, since childhood to the end of their life. So we have to yeah. take that into consideration always. And at the end of the day, it's really about needs. It's, it's, we really need to think about what is the need behind a reaction of someone else? What is the need behind an opinion of someone, um, of someone um, else? Because it's all about needs. And once we go down to the needs and they're not so visible, we really need to listen. We need to learn how to tackle needs. Um, of the others but once we know what the need is we can completely differently approach the problem that we have together and maybe it must not even be a compromise that we are doing then it's not always about like I need to do a step away from what I would really like to have and the other person as well it can if you know about the needs of the other people that you are in conflict with or that have different opinions as you do um, once you know the needs, you can think about completely new solutions. And this is what innovation is also about. Um, it's really about figuring out new solutions that surprise all of us and that bring all of us together. Yeah. And would you say that design is scalable? So <laughs> can you scale design so that small changes will reach more people than we anticipate? Um, if it tells the right stories, I think um, design, of course, is scalable. Um, Sometimes, I mean, we are living in complex systems, and maybe you've um, heard about the butterfly um, effect. I yeah. just recently stumbled upon the movie on the weekend when we were searching for movies, and I thought, ah, oh, I totally forgot about this movie. Um, this is actually everything that you do can impact other people a lot. And it can be something very small that you do. Um, you know the cheesy story about smiling to other people that can yeah. probably change the whole day. And so I think um, with design as well, it's the same thing. Um, you can start with something small uh, and then you can impact a, a lot of people with it. And as designers, we oftentimes think about should I work for the small startup uh, or should I work for the huge enterprise? Or I asked myself that a lot or asked it a lot in my life. Um, and I never came to the really perfect answer for myself because I think when you change something in a small um, environment, um, then you can do big change within um, with, with little effort probably. And if you change something in a big environment, it probably takes you way longer um, to really make a change. But if you can change something to the better, you will change it, it to the better for many, many people. So it's something that I always, I think, ask myself because yeah, at like the end of the day, I want dilemma. to impact people. Yeah, like it's a yeah. huge dilemma because yeah, big companies have more reach. Yeah, there are 
huge conglomerates that have thousands of people and impact millions. On the other hand, startups, they can be small, but they, they can also impact millions. And, but you don't know if they will. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so interesting because when the startups all came up, um, all the big enterprises in the beginning they thought ah, they're gonna die soon and um, they will not impact us we are way too old and way too experienced and then there was this time when they got really scared because there were companies or startups like Netflix that wiped out whole industries basically and um, and now I have the feeling it's kind of they they figured out to not like be against each other but rather learn from each other and uh, it's quite interesting how how it changed i mean also society changed um with this very specific happening in history when startups were coming up and um, were really disrupting markets and um yeah, it's interesting what uh, companies are, uh, big enterprises, how they are reacting um, to that innovation power and how they also learned a lot. I mean, I'm sometimes very surprised, like how far they already got. It, sound, it, it seems very slow oftentimes from the outside, but when you talk to people, um, I mean, they are inspired and they move um, the, the organization from within as well. And this becomes more and more bigger topic that um, people do these grassroots um, movements and they get inspired and even in big companies all of a sudden um, it impacts the, the organization completely different because people also do have different communication tools nowadays they do not have to um, call everyone in the organization to inspire them with new ideas they just like type it into the chat and thousands of people can read it yeah, and we can see that also some big organizations just yeah acquire startups because they see the potential in them, they see the innovation, and it's easier to yes. yeah buy out the company and develop the solution from the ground up inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um there are so so many different ways that you can watch now how they try to yeah learn from them or get their um capabilities um how they. Um, more and more integrated into the big ship and sometimes still need to like also make sure that they're not coming too close to the politics um, of the old organizations. Yeah, it's, it's and, super exciting. It's still super exciting. Yeah. And Gloria, what would you say, how can we improve the relationship between software developers and designers? Because sometimes there is friction in between. And yeah, we know that most of the time the problem is with communication. So what can we do to yeah, just take care of it and improve it? In my experience, it's really helpful if teams really work together instead of like um, starting with the design and then throwing it above the fence and let the soft and the software developers need to take care how to implement it. I would say integrate the teams very early on. Um, being a designer is not only about developing ideas. So a lot of developers also can come up with great ideas. Um, it's really about the way how you tackle the problem and how you look at it and from which perspective you are coming. So um, I think when I, whenever I work together with software developers, I had the feeling they're, they're thinking a lot in languages. And I'm thinking a lot in 
um, user perspectives, for example. So we have to bring this together. It's both really valuable to uh, um, the process. And um, to be honest, really work very closely together. And my best experiences I had with software developers was really sitting together with them in an office. That's not always possible yeah. um, at those times, but um, really but also building up personal relationships to them, starting to trust each other. And then you can, yeah, really um, tackle problems together and make sure that you stay in the loop and that you share your perspectives and your visions. And um, and then you can learn a lot from each other. Yeah. And the developers can contribute to the project. It's not like they just have to purely focus on code. They can also say their insights. They can show what they learned. And it, this will impact the whole project. Exactly. I, it happened to me that I went on projects where a uh, um, Scrum team was already working um, on an application. And we came in as designers and then we come with the user's perspective. And it's actually, you always have to be very careful once you join a team because this team was already working and putting their heart into the project um, so you need to like first connect and see what is there what did they figure out already and um, and this one time I did that um, we we came up with a slightly different approach to the application and we first had the feeling um, that they were not so happy about us because they felt like okay now I have to program this whole thing again <laughs> and um, it was very painful for them but um, then I learned how important it is to connect with them and ask them what are your experiences with this project so far you've probably tried out many things before in the scrum process I mean that's part of the scrum process also to try out things and then test them and iterate them so what can I learn from you um, from the last month and that was the point where we developed a really good relationship to each other and started joining forces and it became a bit magical. So I remember um, when I had this conversation and I was when I was starting to ask this person um, about their experiences, I felt like, okay, this can be great. Like now I feel it. Now we are like getting on the same wave together and now we can really put together our expertises and this could be a really great project yeah like the best projects get created when people collaborate yes. and that's the truth in basically every sector in every industry and in every project so <laughs> we just Always. have to keep that in mind do not work against other people just like figure out what everyone in the room is capable of because whenever people are coming together there are decades of knowledge coming together in a room and you just have to connect you need to make visible what's in that room what kind of expertise what kind of experiences and once you know that and sometimes it might not be the hard skills sometimes it's also the soft skills that are in the room or hobbies there are people who have hobbies that can really help a project to become better so really make sure that you understand with whom you're working with because they might be able to do something that you've never expected before and that makes the whole project uh, magical yeah that's true Gloria would you say that more companies need designers on board to take care of the organizational design of improving processes etc 
I think design becomes more and more a part that you you cannot not have in your organization anymore. And you see with a lot of companies that designers are um, getting into the C-level, their chief design officers since a couple of years already. And I think that's super important because, um, yeah, we, we live in a world that is complex and we need to, um, we need to answer it with the right methods. And design is a really important part when it comes to that. And I remember when I was studying that was between 2004 and 2009, um, our professors always told us, that we need to be very aware of our own role because it's not only about graphic design. It's not only about making things beautiful. We have to define ourselves as designers um, where we want to be and where we want to start a project. And um, we should be involved way earlier. And as a student, I was always like, yes, I get it. <laughs> but how? <laughs> and, uh, and there were a lot of things while I was studying where I was a little bit like, it's so cool that I cannot imagine that that companies would pay for this or um, that this would happen. But just start doing it. Just show companies um, what what you're capable of. And when I think about user research, for example, that is something that like 10 or 12 years ago, that was something that organizations didn't know why to pay for this at all. And then designers just did it. They anyways said, okay, I need to integrate it into my practice um, because I think it's super valuable. And nowadays organizations have their own user researchers because they know how valuable it is to be connected to your customer because that's at the end of the day, the person who pays for <laughs> for the bids, um, if, if you look at it like that. So um, this starts evolving and I think that it's going to be way more out there where designers get a bigger role so yes if you should do that if you can afford it build up your own department but also always make sure to get um, influences from the outside as well it's um, sometimes when you build up capabilities within your own own organization they um, get too close to your politics and to your patterns and they integrate into the things, how they are and how they always used to be. Um, if you want to get inspired, you also always need to make sure that you um, stay connected to your environment of the organization, to the outside world. Yeah. Every now and then you should consult with someone from the outside. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's good to build it up yourself and to be able and to really integrate it in all the processes that you have. But sometimes it also makes sense to it. it, especially when you feel like you're getting stuck. That's probably the point where you should get some inspiration from the outside. Yeah, Gloria, how can we empower people and facilitate the design process? I think um, sharing our knowledge um, is one of the most important things. Um, and like showing and making visible the the impact the value um of of design frameworks and design processes um trying to i think we sh we should build up really good relationships where we can talk about these things and we can where we can just implement them where we when we build up trust to the people around us we can do basically anything together so um we can also use new 
ways of thinking and new ways um, of solving problems. And um, being on an eye level with them as well. They have other people have other expertises that we do not have as designers. And they are well, can be very valuable to us. Um, and our approaches can be valuable to them. Yeah. Beautiful. So the last question for today. Yeah. If you knew someone who wants to do organizational design, what tip would you give to him or her? I, for anyone who would like to do design, um, I would um, um, show them the gift of asking questions. Asking the question, why is my, why is my, my favorite question? Um, I try to understand why things are the way, how they are. And I think this is something that helps you a lot to understand. You need to understand the problem first before you tackle it. And it doesn't matter if you're doing service design or product design or graphic design or fashion design or organizational design. You need to understand what you're working on and therefore you need to ask questions. And um, I think it's one of my most valuable gifts that I have or that I discovered over the years is that I do not know. And not knowing is not a weakness. It's a strength once you... Um, figure that out um, it's it's really makes everything so much better and easier because I know nowadays that I will always learn for the whole life it's when I was getting out of university I had the feeling I need to know all the answers now because I studied I, I invested so much in my education uh, so um Now I need to know everything, um, but no, um, I don't. And I still do not know everything. And I still um, have the, these moments of um, questions in my head multiple times a day. And it's really relieving and peaceful once you understand that it's a strength because you, um, yeah, this is a way how you ask naive questions. And this is the fastest way how to learn and um, developing organization needs learning together continuously. So it's all about asking the right questions. I love this. I absolutely love this. Like not knowing is not a weakness, it's a strength. Like it should be printed somewhere. Yes, it should, because it really makes you so anxious so often. And it's really something that I'd like to share with everyone. There's no way to be, uh, there's no reason to be scared about it. Um, Everyone in the whole world, I bet, is having the situations where they're like, I should know the answer, but I don't. And um, if I ask, people will find out that I'm not as professional as I should be. For me, it is professional to ask questions. I think it's the best thing to connect. To. It's, we are living in such a complicated way, world. We need to talk to each other. We need to understand each other. And this is only, we can only do that by asking questions and figuring out that we need to work together and collaborate instead of being uh, experts, uh, the only expert in the field, the legend in um, what what you do know. It's not about this. It's really about collaborating and, and yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a good way to fight the imposter syndrome because yeah, everybody is fighting with it. Everybody yeah, came across the imposter syndrome at some point. 
and mm-hmm. yet you realize that if you don't know something, it's not the problem, then it will be easier to deal with it. And if you ever have that feeling, then talk to other people because they will tell you that they have the same issue and it makes things a lot easier if you are not feeling uh, being alone with this imposter syndrome problem. It's like many people have it and we should be studying being more authentic about it. There's no need to pretend anymore. Um, I think we can be authentic and um, can just say, I don't know, maybe someone else in the room does. And yeah, share your brains. (laughs) Gloria, that was awesome. Like the whole conversation was great. So please tell me, where can people find you? Ah, you can connect with me via LinkedIn, for example. I have a LinkedIn page and um, I'm always happy to connect with others. And um, I also have a website. Um, the website is gloriabieberger.de. It's a German uh, website, not com. It's de. Yeah. Um, so either um, connect with me via my website or get in touch with me via LinkedIn. Um, I'm really happy to get to know other like-minded people. Yeah, we will link it in the description of the podcast. So Perfect. thank you very much for today. It was a pleasure. And see you maybe next time. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me as well. And also um, sorting my thoughts helped me understand a couple of things better again. So it's always valuable to have those conversations. This podcast is brought to you by Elite Crew, the software house that helps designers shape the world. If you need help with your project or want to consult technical matters, just drop us a message at EliteCrew.io. We'll be happy to help.